This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 431 of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is sponsored by The Horse Depot. The hor- You can find them at thehorsedepotonline.com. Howdy, everybody. Glenn the Geek back with you from Lexington, Kentucky, and you're listening to Horse Tip Daily. Well, today we are bringing you a segment from the Horses in the Morning show that I do with Jamie Jennings and my wife, Jennifer H., every morning from 9 a.m. on, Monday through Friday. Well, this week we did a, a segment with Christy West of thehorse.com. They do a weekly horse health report every Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. And this week she had on with her Bill Glisson of the Hay Exchange, talking about uh, picking good hay and mold and things like that. And I thought it was very interesting, and I thought you would find it very interesting. We haven't talked about hay a whole lot here on Horse Tip Daily, so I thought it would be one of those topics that we could bring to you uh, thanks to Horses in the Morning. So we're going to be back with that. But first, I want to talk to you about, you know, about whether or not you've been thinking about some custom products for you or your horse. Maybe show off those unique barn colors. If you need some custom products, the place you want to go is the Horse Depot because they have what you're going to need from custom apparel to sheets to saddle pads to equestrian carry bags. They have the top names in custom that you want, including Blue Ribbon and Jacks and Fenwick and Tally Ho. You know, those companies have been around forever and they are the names in custom. And you can get them all at the Horse Depot. Get the colors and the cut and the features you want for those spring sheets or protect your saddles and bridles and show clothes with a custom equestrian bags made in the color of your choice. You know, colors have become very important now in the horse world. You have to have you have to be all matchy-matchy, as Helena says. So if you want to be all matchy-matchy, then check it out at thehorsedepotonline.com. Customer service can't be beat. You, you'll get the service that you expect on a custom product. Go to thehorsedepotonline.com and do it today. And now from the Horses in the Morning show, this would be from episode 108 on March the 30th. The episode we did, the Horse Health Report with thehorse.com and Christy West and Bill Gleason of the Hay Exchange. And you'll hear Jamie Jennings and my wife Jennifer H. on here as well. Hope you enjoy. It's time for the Weekly Health Report from thehorse.com. Fantastic information and Chrissy's attempt to ruin Glenn's lunch every week. Do you like it, Christy? I love it. I love it. You're gonna, you're, you guys are going to push me to new heights of grossing Glenn out. This is awesome. And unfortunately, it's not going to occur this week, but we'll try to make it happen. Hey, I know. This uh, week, I'm a, you have something I'm I can actually talk about this week. Yay. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed, Christy, because I, you know, we have been out of the gross factor for quite some time. And, you know, it's time to bring it back and gross Glenn out. He's putting on weight because he's now able to eat lunch uh, on Wednesdays. So we need to go ahead and we need to we need to get some gross pussy abscesses or like, you know, just muscle wasting tissue or something like that. To make it gross next week. Less eating bacteria? Yes, thank you. Oh, yeah, that's good. 
Yeah. We can have fun. You know, we need to have this campaign. I was thinking about this the other day. I need to solicit uh, some suggestions from our fans on Facebook, and maybe, maybe Jamie, you guys could do this too. What's the grossest thing we can talk about? And that way we can have lots of material for Glenn. <gasps> that's brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, okay, we'll have the listeners. <laughs> You're welcome, yeah. Glenn. You're, yeah, anytime, <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys today are going to talk about <laughs> <laughs> you guys today are going to talk about picking good hay, and I know you have with you Bill Glesson, who's the owner of the Hay Exchange, and um, you know this is awesome because we're at the point it's springtime. You got to start. You know they're going to start cutting hay soon. You need to know what to find and how to get it, and what's the best one and what fits your horse. So this is actually very appropriate timing. I know it's not gross, but it's good. So, uh, Christy, why don't you go ahead and introduce uh, Bill, unless I already did. Uh, you did a little bit. Uh, Bill is owner. Bill Glisson is the owner of the Hay Exchange. And, Bill, tell us a little bit about what you do at the Hay Exchange. Um, by the way, Bill was highly recommended by Aaron, who says that uh, she's heard him speak for hours on hay without a single person getting bored, and he's awesome. So, Bill, tell us a little bit about you. No pressure there, Bill. Yeah, no pressure at all. Well, good morning. We'll start with that. And I'll also tell you thanks for having me, and I'm very grateful that I've made this week's uh, topic as opposed to next week's uh, potential flesh-eating bacteria. So uh, maybe more fitting for me to talk about hay. Um, I think, guys, what I'll do is I'll start and uh, and tell you how I got involved. Number one, I've been I've been involved in feeding horses primarily my whole life, from from either uh, a feed standpoint and and in the last twenty plus years from the forage side, but they do go hand in hand, and uh, it's kind of interesting how I got involved in hay uh, many many years ago, uh, working for a national feed manufacturer. I did a lot of speaking all across the country, and, and one of the most commonly asked questions uh, was, you know, i got a great feed store that supplies me with my product or a local feed mill, or I'm really happy with my grain part of my diet, but where do I get good quality hay consistently? And so that that consistently asked question, no matter if I was on the West Coast or, or Midwest or up in the Northeast or, or in the Southern states, that question was always asked. And so one day... Being a little aggravated with corporate America and uh, flying on a plane from coast to coast, I decided that I'd be the answer to that question, at least to some people. So that's how I got started. And talk to us a little bit about some of the different types of hay that are out there. And part of the reason, I know that's kind of a basic question, but I know when I grew up uh, just riding down at the boarding bar down the street, didn't even think about hay. It was it was in the hay barn, we fed it, didn't really think a lot about different types of hay. So maybe not everybody knows all of what's out there, people in a similar situation. You bet, Christy. Um, there's two types of forages. There's there's grass forages and there's legume forages. And, and I'll touch on the difference between those two and how they may apply. But there's also, that's probably the greatest impact on on, uh, on feeders is there's local hay and, and our domestic hay, and then there's imported hay. And by using the term import, I don't necessarily mean we bring it in from out of country. However, we could bring it from Canada into the U.S., which is often done. Uh, but it could be that you fact the, the simple fact that you live in a geographical region that doesn't grow the type of hay that's maybe your personal preference to feed, and so we refer to that as an import. So, um, you know, growing up, I think uh, it depends if we grew up in a in a in a show barn or, or or maybe just in a backyard operation, and 
you know, feeding hay is basically the personal preference of the horse owner. Um, I believe in this fact that you can feed whatever forage you want, but you should consider a consistent supply and, and uh, some some quality factors about it. Um, but uh, let's talk uh, just a second about grass haze versus legume haze. I think that's good. Christy, for example, in, uh, in, in Texas there, there's a, a lot of Bermuda forages grown. There's a lot of different varieties of Bermuda grass, some standard uh, varieties as well as some new hybrid varieties that's improved digestibility and, and feed value. And then, uh, of course, you've got the most popular uh, grass forage of all is probably Timothy. And there's many more that have been developed since then. You have Timothy, Orchard, Brome, and these varieties of Bermuda, as well as some new hybrid forages that's being tested by universities around the state and the country. And I refer to those grass forages as, as a good fiber forage. And the reason for that, grass forages are fiber. There's, there's less feed value and a lot of fiber value, as opposed to your legumes, which would be your second classifications, which the most popular legume would be, of course, alfalfa. And then you have clover haze. In the south, they've developed a perennial peanut hay. Um, and so there's 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 also a selection of legumes hay, and I refer to those as the fuel forages, meaning that there's more protein and energy in those forages than the grass. So there's the major differences that even the most novice hey, feeders should i got to ask about that, though. You said peanut hay. Is that really hay from peanuts? Like peanuts? Very good, very good question. You know, for many, many years... Is there peanuts on the bottom so you can feed your elephant and your horse at the same time? Or your mini giraffe? Your mini giraffe, exactly. Good thought. <laughs> but no, it's not. <laughs> you know, for years they, they've bailed the tops of peanuts and fed them to cows. So it's a real coarse fiber. Uh, but no, I, I'm going to give credit, I believe, to the University of Georgia, who's developed a, a perennial peanut that's just a derivative of that peanut bush. Uh, and it's a very highly digestible, high-energy, high-protein forage uh, for the South since they can't produce alfalfa commercially. So it's a real high-protein high type of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Green as green could be. Does there you color, go. Where's color come into play when you're dealing with hay? There's a horse husband question for you. Um, you know, because I always tried to judge by color, and then Jennifer always got mad at me because I always liked the really bright green ones, and our horse has to wear a muzzle, so I wasn't allowed to feed any of the bright green stuff. Um, so, you know, is color, is that something you really do look at when you're looking at hay? Well, most people do, and, and i got to tell you, we should also understand this, that uh, the Forage represents over 50% of the cost in feeding a horse, but yet it's the only product we buy that does not have a nutritional profile attached to the product itself, like a bag of feed, for example. And so, unfortunately, people are they buy it based on their perceived value, which a lot of it has to do with color. You know, one, the old adage, the grass is always greener on the other side, is never made anybody any more money than hay dealers because they'll sell green hay for more money than they would hay that's not quite so green. Is it relevant? You bet. In some cases, it's simply a, 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 a it's an outward uh, way of measuring was it harvested and cured properly. But I got to tell you, let's use alfalfa for example. 
alfalfa with a little sun bleach can be just as nutritionally prolific as a pea green hay that's perfect in color, but yet could save a feeder or commercial producer 40 or $50 a ton. So there's definitely more that we should evaluate a bale of hay than color alone. Okay, so when you've got your hay bale, because I have to feed some alfalfa here. I'm in Phoenix, and and uh, like you said, uh, it's kind of hard to uh, find any other kind of hay out here. It's very prevalent, but I feed a grass hay, and then I also feed the alfalfa. But I was always concerned about the edge of the alfalfa bale because that's the one, I guess, was turned up to the sun, and when it was stacked, it was on the sunny side. Um, So it's always a completely bleached out part of the hay bale. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you've got the four sides, one side is always white because it's been seen in the sun, but you're saying that it still could be very nutritional? Absolutely. It's a, it's a, now it obviously depends on how long it may have been exposed to weather elements other than just sun, but it's interesting how you commented that it's almost white. It's so sun bleached. There's a direct relevancy that the lighter the color of the bleach usually is a representative of the higher quality of the hay. But uh, by no means uh, is sun bleach a reflection of the decrease in quality. That's good to know because I was always trying to sort through and not pick those pieces out. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> so. and do I have I heard of that? We deal with it every day. Anybody that's in the hay business deals with it every day. And you know, you know what the fact is: twenty um, percent of any stack of hay is going to have external bleach just because. of the growers do not put their hay in stored in a completely enclosed barn. So even under a shed, it will receive some sun bleach on the sides. Well, there's always those people like your comment, I can't feed that. I must pick it off or or not choose a bale of hay that has any at all. Those people simply cost charge the hay to go up a little higher because a producer has to sell that pea green hay with no bleach that's in the middle of the stack for more money than the edges. Um, Ah, if if you want to talk about controlling cost in these economic times um, you should evaluate that based on your cost per head per day to feed a horse and you should educate yourself a little bit more about selecting the right hay and understanding how to interpret the quality of hay and I believe you guys have um, accumulated some some, uh, links and stuff that people can go to on uh, on some sites here and further educate themselves on buying hay. Is that correct? Yeah, we have. <clears throat> and uh, you know, I have I have a question too. All right, so I'm coming from the horse husband's point of view here. Who you know, we get two jobs. We get the show, you know, muck stalls and feed. That's what we're allowed to do. Um, so my question is, when we're feeding, we're always taught to look for mold, and mold is obviously a curse of every every horse person. And but. Is there really a good way, you know, I can never tell. It's a little dusty, so I just call Jennifer over and say, is this moldy? Because I, the sniff test never worked for me. So is there a good way to tell if your hay is mold, really moldy? You know, because sometimes it's just dusty and it's just hard to tell. Good points. And, and, and yeah, you need to start off by buying your hay from a reputable source. Yeah, but even reputable sec- sources, there can be crappy hay in the middle, you know? No doubt. And, and there's yeah. no there's nothing, no replacing uh, an individual evaluating each flake of hay before they feed them. There's just no no way. You you need to have that last visual inspection. And if your sniffer don't work, because you're exactly right, in that Arizona market, there's a lot of dry days, a lot of windy days, and it'll blow some farm dirt and some dust into the hay mouse. And so the dust that may be in that hay 
is uh, not mold spore dust, but just dust dust. And so when you flake that bale, shake it. If you get a little dust in there, you should try and smell it and qualify it. And obviously look for the visible signs of mold and non-feeding hay. Well, I really want, you know how the police have the uh, breathalyzer test? I really yeah. want a little. I really want a little gadget that horse husbands can use. We just stick it in the hay, and it says whether it's moldy or not. Well, I, I just think we should work on that. It sounds like a yeah, great I project. Yeah, I think you should. I really do. Yeah. I, I would buy one of those. Would you? Like an internal meat thermometer kind of thing, That's where right. you stick it in, it's like <laughs> a moldometer or something, maybe, huh? A moldometer. moldometer. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we're all partners. Horse can make a fortune. Absolutely, we're all partners yeah. on this deal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the mold meter. That's almost like a miniature giraffe. That's great. <laughs> miniature giraffes are real, Glenn. <laughs> miniature giraffes are real. Your mold meter is not real. <laughs> well, I wanted to uh, ask ask uh, Bill another question about things that shouldn't be in hay besides mold. And there are a lot of weeds that can get baled into hay that can cause some problems and things like blister beetles. I mean, where can people find out a little it's bit snakes. more? What do they really watch We always used to get snakes in our hay. You'd open it up and there'd Ooh, be a dead nice. snake. That's really gross. Tasty. You know, and all those are factors that I don't know how we'll ever get away from because the reality is hay is produced in a field, to, you know, with the help of Mother Nature, and it's not manufactured. And so, yeah, you'll have the occasional uh, wildlife or animal or rodent or something like that build, um, and um, you just you just got to watch for it. It goes back to watching what you're feeding because I don't know any way that we'll ever replace that. So the recommendation would just be to pitch the flakes on either side of whatever dead critter you just found in your hay, right? You know, nothing replaces common sense, and I'd hate to tell somebody to discard the whole bale, uh, but in some cases that may be necessary, right? I mean, if it's a skunk, you probably want to get rid of the whole bale. If it's an eight-inch grass snake, you probably a couple of flakes. All right, that's sure. the best. People on our Facebook page have been posting the best lines of the day. You get the best line of the day. Nothing oh, is that right? Um, nothing replaces common sense. Right there, best line of the day. <laughs> and then my, as my mama always said, when she was cooking in the kitchen and she'd see something, she'd go, oh, it's in doubt, throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mom's the note, Mama's always... Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I disagree, and mama's always know. <laughs> they do, and mine used to sometimes say that common sense isn't always common. That's true. That becomes more relevant all the time, does it not? <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does. Well, is this the words.com segment or the, the bad quotes of the day segment? I'm not sure. Uh, it could be both. It could be both. Today it could be both. Next, <laughs> next week we can get into more more gory things. But I do want to let everybody know, if you're worried at all about uh, toxic plants in your hay, um, we do have an Ask the Vet live event on poisonous plants tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern with uh, Dr. Anthony Knight, Colorado State, and Karen, Dr. Karen Bischoff of Cornell. So if you got any questions about that, we're going to be talking about toxic plants and pastures and hay and everything else uh, for about an hour. And you can sign up uh, on thehorse.com for that. Great topic. Yeah, I think All it's right. going to be fun. Dr. Dr. Knight literally wrote the book on poisonous plants and, and animals, so I think it's going to be a great session. But well, thank you both. Uh, thank you, Bill, for joining us today and for coming up with our quote of the day. We really appreciate that. And, uh, Christy, I'm just so looking forward to next week. I think it would be out Wednesday, actually. Um, <laughs> I got I got something. I, I'm going to come up with something, I'm sure. You're feeling the Wednesday blue coming good. on? Yeah, I'm feeling <laughs> a little sick right now. I'm sure it's going to be really bad by next Wednesday. 
Well, thank oh, you no. guys. We appreciate it. And of course, you can find all the information you ever want about horse health at thehorse.com. In addition to that, you can find lots of other good, cool stuff now, including all of our shows right there on your website. So we, we do appreciate that too, Christy. Well, we appreciate you providing such a such a great and entertaining look at everything in the horse world. It's yeah, fun. entertaining. I'm not sure it's good, but it is entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Christy. Entertaining Bye, Bill. Take care. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed and learned something out of all that silliness that uh, we provide there on Horses in the Morning, and we do occasionally learn things, too. I hope you enjoyed that. And thanks to Christy at thehorse.com for coming on every week. And thanks to you to thehorse.com for carrying all of our shows on their website. We appreciate that as well. And uh, I think that's going to be it for today. We'll look forward to talking to you again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, stay safe, everyone. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. 